welcome to the One in One podcast, where a below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. I have to do a quick apologies to the listeners. My voice is a little bit rough. Maybe some people would think a little bit rougher than usual. I came down with a bit of a cold. I was babysitting my one-year-old niece for the weekend, and being that she's one, she doesn't have the proper etiquette yet that when you sneeze, you should cover your mouth. So I took a few sneezes to the face, but we're going to go on with it. The show must go on. And you guys don't care what I'm saying either. It's all about the the guests. And I'm so fired up for today's episode. I'll be talking to my all-time favorite point guard, pro, college, female, male, old school, new school. I don't care. It's Lindsay Allen, former Notre Dame star, current Las Vegas Aces player, although she's out this season with an injury. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm honored to be your all-time favorite point guard. Uh, that's amazing <laughs> to hear. So thank you. Of course. And Lindsay, I think you're too humble to do this, so I'm going to give the listeners some stats about your career. You were four-year right. starting, po- <laughs> four starting point guard at Notre Dame, first freshman to start a career opener at the point since 1994. In fact, you, all, you started all 149 games in your Irish career, never missing a game. Your overall record was 139-10. and 10. You led the Irish to four consecutive ACC regular season titles and four consecutive ACC tournament championships. You hold the Notre Dame record for career assists, and even more impressively, the ACC record for career assists at 841. You were drafted 14th overall by the New York Liberty in 2017 WNBA draft. You spent your first year there, and then you went on to your second season spending it with the Las Vegas Aces. You also played professionally overseas in Moscow, Russia, and Melbourne, Australia. And in my opinion, the two most impressive stats about you, you never played a season at Notre Dame without a Mabry sister on the roster. (laughs) And my dad is a big Notre Dame women's basketball fan. You are his second all-time favorite player. Do you want to guess the first? I'll give you a hint. Her number's 24. Um, Enrique? No, it's Hannah Huffman. Oh, really? Yes, and I've been trying to get Hannah great on. Choice. Yeah, yeah, it is a good choice. choice. Yeah, I was like, I mean, my first guess was Enrique, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to help me get Hannah. My dad wants it. <laughs> Hannah, if you're listening, come on the podcast. Stop dodging me. <laughs> all right, Lindsay, let's start where it all began. Growing up in Maryland, you were the youngest of three. I know your sister played collegiate volleyball. Did you play any mm-hmm. other sports growing up? Um, yeah, I played a, a little bit of everything growing up. We all did, me, my brother, and my sister. Um, soccer, softball, starting off with t-ball, baseball, um, a little bit of tennis, and then obviously basketball is the one that stuck. And you played your high school basketball for a very successful school, St. John's mm-hmm. College High School which is a weird name for a high school. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the backstory, but yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. The same program produced Marissa Coleman. She went on to win a national title at Maryland, and she's currently in the WNBA. She's had a very long career there. It's currently where a sought-after recruit, Ozzy Fudd, is playing. So did you yep. choose that high school because of the well-regarded basketball program? Yeah, I think that was part of it. Um, and I think they play, we play in a very competitive conference in WCAC. It's the best conference in this area for sure and arguably the best conference for girls basketball in the country. And so that was a big part of it as well. And so playing against 
the best players um, in this area and then this country was important for me. And then with St. John's, I just felt comfortable um, and felt comfortable with the coach and with the players. Was it a far commute for you? Because that's in D.C. And I know Maryland and D.C. are close, but it really depends on where you're mm-hmm. living in Maryland. Um, it wasn't that close. Uh, it was, I would say it was about, um, depending on what time I left in the morning, it would be about 40 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour, um, depending on the time. And so my dad uh, works in D.C. He worked at Howard, but now he works at um, George Washington University. And so he would take me in every morning um, on his way to work. Um, basically. Wow. That's a big commitment. Obviously worked out for you. You were a Gatorade All-American. So I'm assuming it wasn't just Notre Dame that was after you. What other schools were were recruiting you? Um, A few of the schools that kind of I had um, settled down on in like my junior year of high school, like right before my junior year, it was Notre Dame. um, It was Stanford. It was University of Virginia, um, Syracuse, uh, Boston College was in there, and Wake Forest as well. Okay, a lot of good academic schools there. Was, yeah. Mar- was University of Maryland ever in the mix? Um, no, they weren't seriously ever in the mix. Um, you know, growing up in Maryland, I was a huge University of Maryland fan, and so when they won it back in 2006, uh, I had been to all the camps when I was around that age. I was about um, 10, 11, 12, around that age, going to all their camps and meeting all the players and all that stuff, and then when they won it all in 06, uh, I was a huge fan and a huge Christy Tolliver fan and all that stuff, but that kind of waned um, down once I got into high school and got into like the recruiting process and all that stuff. And they had another point guard already committed. Lexi Brown um, was committed since we were in, I think, like eighth grade, I want to say. And so it just didn't make much sense for me to go there um, with Lexi already being committed there. Okay. Well, I bet Brenda Freeze regrets if she didn't go after you that hard because you crushed Marilyn every time you played there at Notre Dame. Yeah, that was always um, a fun thing to do, I guess. Yeah. I bet. So you ultimately picked Notre Dame. What was it that appealed to you about the school? Um, I think, you know, seeing from my school, I was looking for a school that had a good basketball program, but also a really good um, academic program as well and so I was looking for schools that had a good balance of both and I really didn't um, want to sacrifice one for the other in that way and so um, Notre Dame was perfect for that. Uh, I visited for the first time my junior year of high school so it was what what, November 2011. Um, Got up there and got to campus and was able to see a basketball game um, early in the season for them Um, and I really just enjoyed the campus. Uh, The tradition was amazing um, I really enjoyed talking to Neil Ivy during the recruiting process and talking to Coach McGraw during the recruiting process and um, got up to campus and got to meet the girls and hang out with the team for a little bit. And it was all just a really great fit. And then, um, you know, they talk about, like, you get that feeling when you know something um, is right for you. And I got that feeling at Notre Dame when I visited up there. And so I, I thought it was just perfect. And, Lindsay, I've said this for years. No one had a tougher job than you entering college in women's basketball. The year you came in, even years before that and years after, you were replacing a legend in Skylar Diggins. And she wasn't just a player that put them back in the upper echelon of the sport. She was a media darling. She was also at the time the all-time leading scorer in program history and the hometown kid from South Bend. It was an impossible job, but somehow you made it possible because Notre Dame didn't miss a beat in 2014. 
Can you talk about that a little little bit? Did you feel any pressure? No, I didn't um, feel any pressure or anything like that. I think uh, my coaches and my teammates did a great job of speaking to me and telling me that I wouldn't be expected to replace what Skyler did um, for the program, for the community, for the team, just everything all around. What she did was amazing. Um, and I learned a lot from her just watching her um, before I got there and just seeing what she did and how she handled herself was um, really important for me to watch. But also, I mean, we had a great team my freshman year, so there really wasn't much um, I had to do. Honestly, just kind of <laughs> steady the boat a little bit, you know, with Jewel Lloyd and Kayla McBride, Natalie Achanawa, Ariel Breaker, um, and Kayla Mabry. I think um, we just had a really talented team, a really tough team, um, and just a team that was really a lot of fun to be a part of. And so uh, they showed me the ropes. They taught me the way. They taught me how to handle myself on and off the court, um, and I'm forever grateful to them for that. That's great. And you actually started your career at Notre Dame on a European tour, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So what countries fun. did you yeah. go to? So we started off um, in London for, we were there for a total of 10 days. So we spent about three or so days each in each kind of spot. So we started off in London and then we went to Barcelona, Spain, and then we ended the trip in Madrid. Wow. What a way to start college. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think it was just like really great for me to have that time um, with the team before the season started and just getting used to the plays and having that kind of game environment uh, with the team and so that I wouldn't just be thrown in um, to the starting lineup without any game experience or any just kind of chemistry with the team at all. You had an incredible freshman year starting at the point. And like you said, you had a lot of players that made it a little bit easier, I'm sure, and Kayla McBride, mm-hmm. Joel Lloyd, Natalie Chanwa, to name a few. You guys went undefeated up until the national championship game. Unfortunately, Natalie Chanwa had torn her ACL in the Elite Eight against Baylor. Yep. And I would have loved to have seen that game with her in it because, in my opinion, I think that championship ends differently. But, unfortunately, injuries are a part of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was just, like, tough to handle because she gets hurt, um, I think, late in the game against Baylor in the Elite Eight. Um, And then we finish it off and kind of rally around her to get that win. And then it's like, okay, we're going to the Final Four, but Ace is injured. And um, we knew it was pretty serious when she – couldn't get back up in the moment and we knew that we would probably be losing her for the rest of the tournament so just a bittersweet moment but I think she did such a great job of being that leader for us throughout the whole season um and then so then when we got uh to the final four she was still there speaking to us and talking to us and just making sure that um we're good and that she's being that steady um, voice for us throughout the rest of the season yeah so she was the senior captains through and through Yep, definitely. (laughs) You and Skylar are very different kinds of players. Both great point guards, obviously, just different. Where she Mm -hmm. wears her emotion on her sleeve, she's very vocal. You have more of a poker face on the court and a quieter demeanor. But after your freshman year, your coaches wanted you you to be a bit more vocal, didn't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I think it was just uh, the natural progression of uh, my development as a player and my development in that program as well. And so going into my sophomore season, um, we really, we didn't start a senior my sophomore year, I don't think. Uh, And so we were all just kind of making sure that we were just being leaders by kind of by committee, but I don't really like that word by committee because it just seems like you're just kind of going about it lazily. But um, yeah, so we just needed someone to step up and be that voice 
Um, and that was a natural choice as a point guard. But um, I think in that moment, I was a bit conflicted because um, I feel like at that time, and I still feel this way uh, when I'm playing in my career and playing uh, up to this point, um, I feel that I have still have so much to learn and I still have so much that I need to get better at. And so it's kind of hard for me to be that leader and be a bit bossy when I'm cer- I'm certainly not an expert at this yet. And so it's just kind of balancing that out um, and knowing that your teammates uh, still have so much trust in you and so much, um, yeah, so much trust in you to lead them uh, that it's just kind of a natural thing that you need to step into. And so my sophomore year, um, I had to work on that. I had to work on being more vocal, um, especially on the court. I felt like I was vocal with my teammates, but just making sure Coach McGall can see me and can hear me every time I'm out there and getting more of a command um, on the offense and the play calls that we had. And I'd sure say your teammates have trust in you. They, they nicknamed you the GOAT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did McGraw want you to shoot more? Um, I think so, yeah. Uh, I can't really remember <laughs> our conversations Sorry, we had in that time. No, it's fine. Um, but, yeah, I think so. I think just being more aggressive and looking for my shot um, and just talking to Neil and working out with Neil as, like, the point guard group. Um, just working on stuff and working on my shot and just making sure that um, I'm ready to take it whenever I feel comfortable taking it. And, know, and knowing that when I'm more aggressive and looking for my shot, it opens up more stuff for my teammates as well. For sure. Yeah, sophomore year, your scoring improved. And there's no better example of that than the phenomenal weekend you had, scoring 51 points between Stanford in the Sweet 16 and Baylor in the Elite Eight to get Notre Dame back to the Final Four. That was quite a weekend. Oh, yeah, that was so much fun. Um, Because I think we were, well, because we had been to the Final Four in previous seasons, like I think four or five times in a row up to that point, people just expected us to kind of make it back again. And I knew we, in in our program, the coaches knew, the team knew that it would be a little bit harder because um, we were a younger team. We didn't start a senior um, that year. Uh, And so it would just be a little bit tougher with, like, experience and all that stuff. But we still had a very talented roster, I mean, um, and a great group. We were very close-knit that year as well. And so we knew that um, we could beat and we can go up against any team in the country. And so we really proved it that weekend. And um, we proved that no matter anyone can kind of score 20 or 25 at any kind of moment for us, um, we really proved how great our chemistry was that time. I remember watching those games that weekend, and no offense to you, the two my two favorite plays of that weekend didn't include you. Um, <laughs> there was they? a there was like a minute in Stanford where Hannah Hoffman just dominated oh, the game. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then in the Elite Eight, Maddie Cable she she actually oh, yeah. had to make up for this part because she didn't get back on yeah. defense. Baylor outletted the pass and it mm-hmm. looked like a Baylor big had a uh, had a easy layup and little Maddie Cable comes up and just swats it into the stands yeah. that was amazing yeah it both honestly both of those plays were great and we were everyone on the team was just so hyped for both of those because in the Sweet 16 game I mean we were flowing we were having a fun time and everyone was playing well everyone was getting minutes and everyone was just up and cheering the whole time and so you know, Hannah went on that um, little spurt of her own, and it was just so much fun to see. And just as a teammate out there on the court, just looking at her and seeing her have fun and seeing her parents 
um, in the stands, having a good time and cheering for her. And that was just such a great moment. We were all just so excited for her in that moment. And then with Maddie, I think, um, I think I was the one that was supposed to be back, but um, oh, it was you. one of their players, yeah, probably. <laughs> so one of their players, her scout, Nina Davis, was that um, she really likes to run the floor and she does a really great job of just kind of running the floor off of makes and misses. And so she caught us kind of sleeping a little bit on that one, or caught me sleeping a little bit. And Maddie just sort of makes up for it and sprints back and gets that block and really just saves that possession for us. Um, I think it was late in the game, so we were all a little bit tired and all that stuff. When she does that, you just get another kind of dose of energy to finish the uh, job. For sure. And over the course of your career, you could score when you needed to, but you're a true pass-first point guard. You never force shots, unless, of course, the shot clock was running down. But you always pass pass up a good shot for a great shot. Can you talk about the mindset of an unselfish player like that? Yeah, I think um, for me personally, I think it's just more fun um, when everyone's involved and when everyone gets touches. And um, I have I've played with so many talented players who can really score the basketball. And so obviously I have no problem giving them the basketball in that moment. I think for me personally, I've always been the type to have no problem passing the ball to my teammates and passing the ball to the many just great scores and great players that I've played with over the years. And so, um, and I think at Notre Dame, our offense is big on sharing the ball and passing the ball and just kind of a good motion offense as well. And so in those moments, um, I'm really looking for the best shot we can get. So whether that's me or whether that's me driving into the paint or kicking out to one of our shooters or driving in the paint and lobbing it up to Brianna Turner when we were playing together, um, just kind of figuring out ways we can exploit the defense and get a really good shot. Um, and I think at times I've been a bit too unselfish, uh, especially in my time at Notre Dame. And Mia would speak to me and coaches speak to me about it. But um, I think for the most part, it's just about having that good balance um, and figuring out when to be aggressive and when to kind of push the tempo, but also when to look for your teammates and when to get some of your scores going, um, who might need it in that moment. Absolutely, and that's why you're my all-time favorite point guard. (laughs) (laughs) So in December of 2014, there was an incident involving the Notre Dame women's basketball and the community. At that point in in time, several professional and college teams wore I Can't Breathe t-shirts standing up in support of Eric Gardner and his family. Your team was one of these. And let me be clear to the listeners, Lindsay and her teammates were not against law enforcement. However... Members of the community kind of took it that way and were offended and, and really spoke yeah. out about how it wasn't the right place to make a stand. Even some, this is kind of unbelievable to me, but some local police officers started selling Breathe Easy t-shirts. So when your team decided to do this, did you think it was going to cause such a controversy? Um, no, I don't think we thought in that way. We really weren't concerned about that um, when we were thinking of the idea. Um, and so it started off as kind of an idea that Taya Reimer had come up with and that um, she had felt really passionate about. And then she brought it to the team, and we all got along with it, and we felt passionate about it as well because we had seen it on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on ESPN, on just various media um, outlets as well. And so we brought it, we all brought it to Coach McGraw. Um, and, you know, We'll talk about this a little later, but Coach Regal is just big on having your voice and using your voice for good. And so that was something that 
it's that we felt passionate about and she was on board with as well and so um she was okay with it and we brought out the uh i can't breathe shirts um just to kind of show that we were part of this as well and show that um we weren't gonna back like back down as athletes or as student athletes at the time at Notre Dame um, from this topic that we felt really passionate about and that we felt that needed to be heard and we need to have kind of a dialogue about it. Um, and so when we did it, um, it was really just a time where there was a lot of friction. Um, we brought it out and I don't remember the immediate reaction from the fan base, like as we were warming up with these shirts on, but uh, like throughout the next week or um, after the game, uh, you can tell that they just didn't agree with it. Um, there were even shirts that they wore in the arena kind of as a protest to supporting local law enforcement. And we definitely did not want it to be like kind of a anti-law enforcement type thing. We just wanted to be kind of pro-Black Lives Matter and making sure that that's something that people are making a conscious effort to consider as well. Um, and so after the game, we had like our media session that we usually do after games. And uh, Taya was there and she kind of described what we were trying to accomplish with that and making sure that our point wasn't any kind of anti-law enforcement or anything like that. Um, we had a lot of kind of respect and appreciation for our local law enforcement. So that wasn't even anything that we wanted them to feel badly about or anything like that. But people didn't always, people didn't take it the right way at the time. And so we saw the t-shirts during the game. Cause you know, you know, normally at our games, the fans wear the lime green t-shirts and all that stuff. And so yeah. when you see a fan not wearing it, they kind of stick out like a sore thumb. So wow. we saw those t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> we saw those t-shirts that I think they were like Navy blue kind of supporting law enforcement. And, but also I think, Coach McGraw had a great um, response to that, and I think the athletic department had a great response to that. And so we had um, kind of a law enforcement night where we had a local law enforcement come out and be recognized and um, just showing our appreciation for what they did for our community and keeping us safe um, on and off campus. So I thought that was kind of a great response and how Coach McGraw kind of took charge of that um, and kind of just showed really her leadership in that moment. So did they go back to wearing the lime green shirts after that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it eventually blew over, but uh, it was just a, such a rough time because I'm just not remembering this as these are coming back up. But uh, at the time, Taya was getting some really mean kind of mail. The uh, women's basketball office was getting some really mean hate mail and all that stuff. And That's crazy. Yeah, Taya was getting some stuff sent to her dorm. And I'm just like, how do you even know? like where we're staying on campus. And it's just like That's really, scary. yeah, people are taking it too far. And I'm like, at the end of the day, we're still humans, you know, like we don't want to be sent mail, like Absolutely. kind of hate letters and just all that stuff and wishing we would be dead. I'm just like, that's just too far. I understand like you didn't agree with our approach and how we did it. But at the same time, that's the point of us doing it to kind of start that dialogue. Um, Absolutely. I think yeah, you're kind of proving so, your point. That's why yeah, you exactly. needed to make a stand. Yeah, and so I think it was a, a couple of rough months um, for the team and for Taya especially because this was kind of her idea, but we all had her back in that moment um, from Jeff Schwarbeck going down, um, just kind of making sure that she was safe and she was okay and that we recovered from this and that we, 
everyone on all sides learn from it. That's good. And, and I did, like you said, Jack Swarbrick had your back. Muffin McGraw had your back. And I really love to see that. Muffin mm-hmm. McGraw had a great quote in that press conference that you were talking about. And I, I have it here. I'm going to read it. I want to have strong, confident women who are not afraid to use their voice and take a stand. I don't ever want them to be victims. I'm really proud of what they did today. Hopefully it's something that will catch fire and that people across the country will start to think about, ask themselves, look in the mirror, and say, what are you willing to fight for? Lindsay, that quote alone, if I had a daughter, I'd want to send her to play for Muffin McGraw. Yeah, I think um, I might have been at that press conference, but I really don't remember. Um, But I think when I heard that, I was just like, wow, I'm honestly so proud and just so incredibly fortunate and blessed and lucky to play for Coach McGraw. I mean, I knew I was when I first got to Notre Dame, but just seeing how she stuck up for us and seeing how she wants us to use our voice and to fight for what we believe in, um, right or wrong, no matter what, um, just fighting for that and then, you know, learning our lessons from there. But just, you know, you can't, you can't really learn from anything. You can't really get what you want if you're not really mis- willing to state what you want. You're not willing to fight for what you want in that moment. And so she taught us how to fight every day in practice. Um, we had to fight for our playing time. We had to fight against each other and compete against each other. Um, so that when we got to games, we would be able to handle the stress in the games and all that stuff as well. And so just, you know, she taught us so many lessons in basketball in practice every day, but also lessons and just the real world and how to handle ourselves and how to be strong, confident women, like you said. At the end of the day, that's more important than basketball, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I, I learned so much in my four years at Notre Dame, um, just from Coach McGall and seeing how she handled herself um, on and off the court in press conferences and media sessions and how she was willing to not kind of lay down when someone said something she didn't like and how she was just willing to stay to state what she felt in a respectful way um, and fighting for us as student athletes as well. And before we move on from this, I just want to say one more thing. I was reading the articles the years ago when it happened, and I, I was reading a few more just to take some notes for the pod today. And there was this article where a woman was quoted, and I'm going to read it. I'm not sure a college sporting event is the appropriate medium to express these opinions. I just have to say, to you, I say that that feels like a shut up and dribble comment, and I'm sorry that you didn't enjoy the game that day, but you were watching. Those kids are pouring their blood, sweat, and tears out there on that court for your entertainment, and they can use that platform however they want. And I'm sorry, Lindsay, that you guys had to go through that with the death threats, and I didn't realize that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy time, for sure. That's nuts. All right, let's move yeah, on to some happier just, things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Your junior year in 2016, honestly, one of my favorite basketball teams to watch play. You were hit with a lot of adversity before the season, actually during the season, too. Jewel Lloyd mm-hmm. for, foregoed her senior season for the WNBA, causing the freshman guards to have to step up immediately Unfortunately, one got tore her ACL right before the season. A player left the team midseason. And Brianna Turner missed several games due to a shoulder injury. And I'm not sure she was ever 100% when she got back. Mm-hmm. But despite that, you only lost two games that year. And I know Notre Dame did get upset in the Sweet 16. 
that doesn't take away from the great season. Do you look back on that season with as, as many fond memories as I do? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that was such a fun year, um, just in general. I think we had a really fun team, and our senior class was great with Hannah Huffman, Michaela Mabry, and uh, Madison Cable. I think they set a great tone for us every single day. But, yeah, I think that was just a really fun year and a really fun season because we just kind of had to figure it out. And we talk a lot about another day, and we don't rebuild. We just kind of reload. And so I think, you know, from – the last season, everyone got a year older, and then we had our freshmen come in, Ali Patrick, Marina Mavery, Arika Gumbawale, um, and they came no, in. They just gave no, us... I'm kidding. <laughs> they came in, and they just gave us a great kind of sense of just their energy, their fearlessness, how confident they were. Even as freshmen, we were like, whoa. We were just kind of taking it back from it. Like, we, weren't, we were expecting it, but it was just so different from any other freshman class that had come in at the time. And so we were just like, whoa, I mean, this is going to be different. This is going to be fun. And then um, just figuring out the pieces and, you know, players coming in and out. Um, Taya leaving for personal reasons and then Catherine Westbelt stepping up and um, then Taya leaving for good and then Catherine being there and being that steady force for us the whole season was just phenomenal. Um, and I think we just we were really a really smart team that year. And so – we always realize that we can outsmart our opponents no matter what's going on out there on the court, which made it a really fun season. So let's start, let's talk about your senior year, 2017. Did it feel like when senior season started, like where'd the time go? You're already a senior. (laughs) Yeah, it did. Uh, Honestly, it was like, wow, I'm already seen. I'm already a senior. I mean, I'm going through kind of my last football season, the last football fall and then the season's getting ready to start um in the moment but I think that year I was really just so entrenched with the team and what with what was going on every single day basically that I really didn't have time to kind of um peek my head out from underwater and take a breath at times but um it was just so much fun because it was just I didn't have any other worries all I had to worry about was the team at the moment and just kind of making sure we were reaching our potential every single day and that was another great season. I think it took a bit for you guys to gel, but you guys really started peaking during that ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I believe it was a second round tournament game. Turner tore her ACL. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was kind of it. <laughs> I mean, you guys played <laughs> awesome against Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we had just so much talent um, that it took a little bit to figure out kind of our offense and kind of figuring out how to play with each other. But um, I think with that team that year, I think it was just a lot of we really loved to compete every single day, starting from, like, the preseason and in the summer. I mean, every single day we were competing um, in the weight room. We were competing in pickup. Um, no one liked to lose in pickup that year, like at all. We were not having it. We would keep playing, keep playing, and keep playing until whoever's team that kept losing won, basically, because we really did not want to leave the court um, until you got a win on the pickup court, basically. Um, so at that time, it was just a really fun team. We competed. We had fun. We were smart. We were tough. We were confident. We had that swagger that Coach McGraw loves. Um, and I think it was a really fun year. And then we get up, we get to the ACC tournament. We play really well. Um, we we just win those games by 10-plus each, I think. And then we get to the tournament. 
um, and we get to Purdue. And we were really, at the time Bree got injured, we were really falling. I mean, we were going to go up by probably 15 or 20 at that time. And, you know, we were going to just go on that run before halftime. And then Bree goes down and it really just sucks the air out of the room, basically. Um, it was just, it was basically like a deja vu with Natalie Atronwa, um in that moment. Because it was just so hard to watch that happen and to know that, yeah, that didn't look very good. She's probably not going to return for this game, um, much less like the rest of the season. So that was really tough to deal with. And it happened like right before halftime. And so um, the timing wasn't great. It sounds kind of weird to say because the timing is never really great with an injury like <laughs> that. But um, it just really, it was hard for us to muster up that energy and kind of not think about how Bree is doing and what's going on with her, um, but focus back on the game and focus on getting the win against Purdue. And it was a very tough game. I mean, we had to go into overtime and then Marina hit a great shot to kind of ice the game for us. Um, but yeah, it was just really tough for us to switch um, and make sure that we're focusing on the game, even though Bree the whole time was saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like just get the win, blah, blah, blah. We were just like, it's just, it's really hard as a teammate to watch your one of your teammates go down um, and know that that's probably it for her for the season. Um, this is a tough moment, but uh, we make it to the sweet to the elite eight. Um, another tough game against Stanford, and just didn't end up in our favor. But uh, a great season, and I thought everyone on that team really grew a lot throughout that season. And then. Obviously, the year after that, they won a national championship. So I think it was a great learning lesson for them in that moment and uh, not making it to the Final Four that year, but being able to take that and kind of flip it on its head and um, win a national championship was amazing to watch. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say it was great. You guys really rallied around after Bree got injured because you crushed Ohio State, and you came close to beating Stanford. It's always tough to beat Stanford. Tara Vandiver mm-hmm. is an amazing coach. Yeah. So, Lizzie, I want to take this moment to let you know that I've never met your parents, but I know they are great people because they raised an amazing daughter. You're <laughs> honestly a class act. There's three moments I think so fondly of you that don't even involve a basketball. So one is after you guys got upset in the 2016 NCAA tournament, Syracuse, a team from the ACC, uh, which yeah. you beat handily twice that season, had a really good run to the Final Four. And you congratulated them on Twitter and wished them well. And instead of being ticked off, like I feel like a lot of college kids would be, like I would be today at 28 years old. <laughs> but that was another team from your conference, and, and they made it and you didn't, and you really took the high road, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think um, as a competitor, it was tough to watch uh, a team from our conference and a team that we had beaten um, a couple times during the season make it to the Final Four. But I think at the same time, it's like, well, you can't do anything about it now. You're sitting on the couch and they're sitting out there playing. And so um, I knew a few of the players on the team just from playing against each other for so many years in high school and throughout college and all that stuff um, that I really just wanted to reach out and kind of wish them luck because at the end of the day, um, they're still a part of the ACC, and we still want to see them do well because it looks good for our conference. Um, and it was just so cool for to see them in that moment and see them at their first Final Four 
and see like how excited they were and all that stuff and you know what that feeling's like and so I thought it was just kind of a good moment for me to wish them luck and wish them well um and hopefully they could make it to the national championship and kind of um continue on through there yeah very classy after your final game a two-point loss to Stanford in the Elite Eight in 2017. When you were speaking with the media afterwards, you took all of the heat off then-sophomore Rike Agumboale, whose shot was blocked at the end of the regulation that would have tied it to send it to OT. You said it didn't come down to that shot, which, okay, any teammate would say that. You took it a step forward, and you said, I missed two foul shots today. That's the game right there. It takes a true leader to take all of the honus off of Gumbo Ali and not just say, oh, well, it's a team game, whatever, but you put it on you. And that, I just thought that was so, um, another, such a sign of maturity. Yeah, I think um, that game still hurts, honestly. <laughs> it's always too soon to talk about it. And just thinking about that game, I get a little bit emotional because, Aww. I mean, yeah, it's just like a tough game to talk about, but whatever. Um, yeah. I think in that moment, um, obviously, Enrique took the last shot. Um, and she could have won the game for us. And so I think I just tried to put myself in Enrique's shoes in that moment. Um, and I knew that she felt horrible about it. Um, and I knew what that hurt would be like. I mean, we've all, like, shot in um, some baskets to win the game, and maybe we didn't hit it or um, whatever had happened. Um, and so I knew what it was like for Enrique to be in that moment. I knew what it was like for us to be so close and then to have – her shot be blocked and for her to feel like that was it like that could have been my shot that could have been the game the shot to win the game then we would have been going to the final four um and so I really just tried to put myself in her shoes and just um really kind of ease up a little bit because I knew she's the hardest on herself and so I knew what was going through her head at the time and I just wanted her to know that it really didn't come down to her shot um I still remember those two free throws I missed. I remember a wide open layup I missed still in that game. And so, um, and I'm sure my teammates, other teammates on the team could speak to um, the game about, about just whatever other shots and other missed assignments we had during the game. And so um, I think that was just a time for me to step up and be the leader and kind of help Enrique out in that moment because I knew she wasn't feeling that great about herself. Um, and I knew she would really take that moment to heart. I'm sorry I brought up a bad memory. No, it's all good. It's all a learning moment, you know? For sure. As long as you learn your lesson from it, it's all that Yeah, is. absolutely. And just one other thing I thought was really cool. In 2018, when Notre Dame made the Final Four, you oh, took yeah. to Twitter again to give credit to Marina Mabry, a natural two-guard, oh, who was yeah. forced to play the point that year, for most of that year, due to injuries. Uh, and you basically said, like, what she's done is so impressive to move to point guard with all that it entails, still being a defensive pest, and still being able to hit the tough shot. I thought that was another classy move on your part. Yeah, I think um, I really just try to highlight and try to show appreciation for kind of the underappreciated parts. And so no one was really talking about um, Marina's move to that spot and how hard it is moving from a shooting guard where you've been kind of your whole life and then being asked to play point guard because of injuries and all that stuff. And so I knew it was going to be an easy transition um, for her, and I thought she just did such a phenomenal job 
throughout the whole season, kind of doing whatever the team needed, whether that was her scoring 20 points, whether that was her not scoring that many points, going four or five, but having like seven or eight assists and sending up her teammates. Um, and then playing with Marina is just like amazing because she has so much of that fire and so much of that swagger and so much of that confidence that she's not going to back down from anything. And so I, I, she still brought that and, She's always been kind of a pest on defense and really trying to get in your face and get you frustrated, and so she still kept doing that. But, I mean, she just did such a great job, and I thought she was a big part of that championship team. But I could list kind of everyone on that roster that's kind of underappreciated who did such a great job, um, from Coco, Christina Nelson, to Kat, to Jackie, um, and then to the players who were injured, like Bree and Michael Johnson, I think. They all did a great job. Um and kind of playing their roles within that team. Um, but also it's kind of like watching that game was like a really proud kind of older sister moment in a way because I remember Arike and Marina coming in as freshmen and just being so talented and just so confident and having so much that swagger and that fearlessness, but also just being so hard-headed. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> trying to get through to them sometimes. It was just – it was like talking to a brick wall. And I was just like, I can't <laughs> – and then, like, that year we had Michaela, Marina's older sister. On the, she was a senior as well. And so we were all as kind of like that senior group or that leader group um, with me and the other seniors uh, just trying to get through to them and trying to make them understand. But that's, that's who freshmen are. They come in and they don't really um, know what the culture is yet. And so it's up to the leaders to kind of set that culture. But um, I thought they did a great job of learning each year and every season and just kind of taking the – taking their responsibility on their shoulders and winning the national championship was amazing. And you were at that game, right? You were at the national championship? Yeah, so I got permission from my overseas team in Moscow to travel to that game and because we were in kind of like the playout season, and so we weren't really in the playoffs, but we had like our own kind of round-robin tournament with the other lower seed teams um, at the time. And so we had like a two-week, kind of break between games where we were just practicing. So I was like, can I just have permission to just fly real quick? Like, I'll be back on, I think it was the next day. So like that Monday or that Tuesday or maybe something like that. I'll be back. Literally, I'm flying back, like, right after the game, essentially. Um, I just really want to fly out and catch this game because I knew that um, this was a special moment and I wanted to be there for my former teammates and people who I'm still good friends with to this day just kind of to support them and it was such a great game I'm so glad I flew out I mean I've traveled so long to get to that game and yeah I'm um, about to say so you didn't decide until after they beat UConn yeah so I so you really only had a day well I guess it was two so they played on a Friday so you had Saturday and then they played I think Sunday at six that's Mm -hmm. not a lot of time flying from Russia yeah I think thankfully we were Russia was like um nine hours ahead so I had a little bit of leeway in that time to kind of get there and so I woke up the next morning I saw that they beat UConn and then at that time I was like I was like you didn't see the game no I didn't watch it because I think it was happening and I was like asleep or something because of the time change um Uh, yeah so yeah I woke up saw that we beat UConn and I was like oh wow this is great I I really wish I could fly out to that game and I was like wait (laughs) let me see if I could and so I'm looking up flights ahead of time, like, just to be prepared in case anything happens. Um, And I'm like, okay, well, let me talk to the general manager of the team 
um, and see what he says. I mean, the worst he can say is no, and I still have to practice, which is fine. Like, I'm ready. I'm prepared to for him saying no. Like, I knew it was like a far-fetched idea um, at the time. And so I was like, okay, well, well, let's just see what he says. And so I get to go ahead to leave, and I'm like, okay, well, now I need to really hone in on these flights. So I'm looking at flights, and I'm like, okay, well, I would get into New York at around, I think it was like midnight or so. And so that was midnight or like 11.59 on Friday or no, on Saturday. 11.59 on Saturday. It's okay. Like I'll get to New York at that time. And I was like, okay, well, I still need to get to Columbus. I was like, of course it'll be in Columbus, one of the hardest places to get to and like the (laughs) flights. And like, if I would have flown or tried to get into Columbus, I I don't think I would have made it in time for the game. So okay, well, my only option at this point is for me to find New York, go through customs and go through all that stuff, passport control, and then I had to rent a car and just drive to Columbus. Are you That was like my me? best option. Yeah, so that's what I did. I got to New York at like midnight, got through security by like, or um, customs by like 1.30 uh, or so, and then I got a rental car and I literally drove eight hours straight to Columbus. Holy. And I was just running off of, yeah. <laughs> and so when I got the flight was like a, I want to say a 10-hour flight, nine and a half, ten. And so I was supposed to sleep the whole flight, but I just had so much adrenaline because I was so excited oh, to get there and so excited to, like, witness this moment um, and for them to possibly win a national championship. that I was just like, I couldn't sleep. So I didn't sleep that flight. And then drive there, I had, like, called one of my good friends, and I was talking to him for a little bit um, for, like, the first couple hours. But then it was just kind of um, me in that moment and just making that drive and trying to get there, blasting music as loud as I can, singing (laughs) as loud as I can to keep myself awake. And then as it got to, like, the earlier morning, just drinking as much coffee as I possibly could with as much caffeine as possible. Um, Just, like, double, triple, quadruple shots of espresso, just trying to stay awake and trying to make it to Columbus, I'm sure I made it enough time because the game was until like later that night, I think. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it was I like six. It, it was yeah, such a so, weird time. It was six o'clock on Easter. Yeah, it was so strange. Yeah. And so I get to Columbus at like 9.30 or 10 and I get there and it feels like, because of the time change, it felt like it was like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I was just so <laughs> tripped out when I got there. I was like, wait, it's 9.30 right now. And... It feels like I should be preparing for bed soon or something like that. So I get there and the team's like having their team breakfast. And I just kind of surprised everyone in that moment. Um, and it was just such a great time. Oh, that's that's awesome that you surprised them. And I have yeah. to ask, did you have any buyer's remorse? All, all of that traveling you did, second quarter, they scored three points. Were you thinking to yourself, wow, I did a lot for this? <laughs> um, actually, no, I didn't. I was really calm in that moment I think ever since I've left college um watching them play on on TV has never really stressed me out or watching them play in person has never really stressed me out because I know how great of a team they are and how talented they are and I know kind of their resiliency and kind of getting back and getting the lead back as well and so in that moment I knew we didn't play anywhere near our potential and I knew that team that year was really big on kind of their runs after halftime and in the third quarter. And so third I knew, quarter will always be their quarter, according yeah, to Marina. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Love that quote. But, <laughs> yeah, I knew that um, we just needed to regroup after halftime and we would be fine. I was really kind of calm in that moment because I knew there would be a big comeback coming. When Enrique put that shot up, 
Did you think it was going in? Oh my in? gosh. Um, I thought it had really good art to go in. When she shot, I was like, okay, she gave it enough art that, I mean, that's the best you can do as a shooter in that moment, kind of give it the best art and kind of hope for the best. Um, and so we were sitting in like the section behind the bench, but kind of like a little bit like near the tunnel where they ran out, basically. That's where we okay. were close to. So everyone in that section had their cell phones out because there's the timeouts. So we had time to prepare for this like, like world record moment, basically. And so we're oh, all you got to get section. it on your Instagram yeah, story if it I, goes in. <laughs> yeah, I still have it on my phone because it was so <laughs> sick. And so like, we have our cell phones out and then um, they run the play. Enrique shoots it. And then like we're all kind of focused on our phones, but also focused on the court because like it's happening. But we also want to make sure we want to get like a good angle on our phones as well. And so she, if she puts it up. It goes in and literally everyone in that section goes absolutely nuts. Like, I think I like run down to, um, to like where like the court is basically like trying to get on the court with a few of the other alumni who were there, which was like so many alumni were there. It was great. Just like kind of connecting with them as well. But yeah, we all try to get down to the court and just kind of celebrate that moment because I mean, we were just in shock. Like, just, like, watching it and knowing the shot was good as well because you heard the final buzzer, like, go off. Like, after the shot, I had already went in. Like, I already cleared her hands, clearly. Um, and just being in that moment and seeing that and just watching just, like, the shock on everyone's faces and knowing that she just hit a shot to win the national championship was just the craziest thing. And thinking about it now, even to this day, I'm just, like, I can't believe Enrique hit that shot to win a national championship. <laughs> and, like, talking with her, like, a few months ago, I was like, wow. Like, remember when you hit a shot to win a national championship? It was just so <laughs> crazy to me because we were just like, like, that's what you dream about as a kid. And it's just like she actually accomplished that. And I think it was a great kind of 360 moment from her for her from going from missing the shot to, to the Final Four to winning, hitting the shot and winning the national championship was just a great kind of redemption sort of story for her um, and I think for the program. Absolutely. And from watching it on TV, when she took the shot, at first I was like, okay, it's going to overtime. Cool, an overtime game. Just because of the way she shot it, it looked like she was uh, fading away. But like uh -huh. you said, the arc, as it was like dropping, I was like, oh, it's online with a hoop. And then it went yeah. in. It was crazy. Crazy. Like everyone just exploded in that moment because it was just so <laughs> insane. And you, you just mentioned getting on the floor with the alumni. There's a really great picture out there of all of the alumni with the championship trophy. And I think that's such that's so great because for so many years, you guys had gotten so close and were just like mm -hmm. one step away. And I just thought that was an awesome picture. Yeah, I think it was cool to just be able to celebrate that um, as the alumni and kind of feel that connection to the team. And Coach McGraw and everyone on the coaching staff is really great with that as well. But I don't think I'm actually in that picture because I was back in the locker room with the team in that moment <laughs> and just kind of hanging out with um, Coco and Michael. And so uh, I kind of missed that picture, but uh, I still had a great time and just kind of had a great moment with the team and with the alumni and the coaching staff. Lindsay, what would you say your favorite memory as a player at Notre Dame was? Favorite memory? I think my favorite memory as a player was probably um, making it to the Final Four my sophomore year because um, I think everyone was just, everyone just kind of in the media and 
everywhere was just talking about how we had lost kind of one of the best senior classes, which we did, um, the most winningest senior class in that moment. I think I'm not sure if anyone's broken that yet. But, uh, I mean, they were such a great senior class. And so after they left and after we lost kind of that leadership trio, um, we knew that we kind of had our work cut out for us in the leadership department. And so I think just kind of having that team where we were really close-knit, um, we were really together, we stayed together all the time and just in that season and really cared about each other and just had a great time together. And we were all just, we loved to have fun. We were so goofy. And I think that kind of changed Coach, the way Coach McGraw kind of approached us in that way because she wasn't used that vibe around the team and so um i think we just all had such a great time that season and making it to the final four making it to the national championship and again losing the losing the yukon um was not a great way to end it but i think just kind of the way the season went and how we went about it was so much fun and just being able to celebrate it together as a team and how much hard work we put in and how much kind of adversity we faced throughout the season it was such a great reward for that. What was your favorite place to play aside from Purcell Pavilion? <laughs> I was going to say Purcell's definitely number one. It will <laughs> always be number one. <laughs> um, I think my favorite places to play were always um, the road games that were really packed because it's just something about going into that environment as a road team. And it's really just, your yourself and the team and the coaching staff and obviously our fans travel really well and so we always have that kind of um, band of fans with us always but I think there's something about going in there as a road team and just kind of it's you against all of these people in the stands um, and so whenever we played any road games that were that way it was just such a great time because we really had to stay together as a team and fight for each other and get that one and just it was so much more rewarding um, in that moment as well and so I think um, a few that stand out to me was my freshman year we played at Oregon State, and that was like right when Oregon State was starting to make um, their run and kind of situate themselves in like the top 25 in like a really good program um, in the NCAA. And so we got there. We knew they were a good team, and, you know, we knew it would be a tough game with like the travel and all that stuff and the time change. And so – um, that game was just a really close game, and their fans were so loud. There were so many of them there, and it it was a bit of a smaller arena, but because of that, it felt like the fans were right on top of us. And so that was just a great game um, to be a part of and to play because we really had to figure out ways to win that game, and it was a close game until the end, and we gutted it out um, in the end, I'm pretty sure. And then I want to say my – Junior year, we had a ton of, like, really great road games. Um, I think it started off, we played South Dakota State on the road, and that was another really packed arena. And you could tell that they loved their women's basketball there. And they're one of the top mid-majors in the pro- in the country. And so we knew they were a great team, a really well-coached team, really disciplined, smart team. Um, and would really make you have to kind of beat them. They would never beat themselves at the time. And so... That was such a fun game, um, a close game as well, but we ended up winning that one. And then we went to Louisville that year as well, and their arena is huge, and it was sold out. And they were so incredibly loud. Um, they were so incredibly passionate. They had a great team that year. Um, we were – yeah, that was the year where people kind of doubted us a little bit because um, 
you know, we had lost Jewel the year before and then Taya had left the team. And so there was just like a lot of kind of fluctuations going on throughout the whole season. So that was just such a great moment for us to be able to get that win and for different players to make such key plays for us and hit huge shots. It was just such a fun game. And I think those are the best times because when you come back in the locker room after that game and you're in there together as a team and Coach McGall comes in and is just so excited for you and just so happy. We're all just so hyped and jumping up and down and just celebrating that win like it was a national championship, even though it wasn't. It was just like such a great time because um, only we know how hard it was to get that win in those environments um, as well. But also just the other ACC teams we played against. Like I grew up in Maryland, ACC country. And so I watched Duke and I watched North Carolina and I watched their rivalry and being able to play in those arenas, um, Carmichael Arena and to play at Duke. It was just so cool. And just such like a great kind of history moment because you grow up watching so many games on that court um, and just being such a fan of the game. It was amazing. That's awesome. You named a lot. I feel like yeah. I should have asked you um, what arenas you didn't like to play in. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was, we went to a lot of arenas that were uh, really great to play in. Nice. Do you have a funny story about Coach McGraw? One that she would allow you to tell? <laughs> um, I have a couple, I think. Um, so this was my freshman year. I want to say like that either summer or fall. And, um, and so as a freshman, I was really quiet. I still am kind of quiet and I'm still shy to this day. And so um, it was really kind of that moment for me and Coach McGraw to get to know each other because I would be the point guard for a team. And so, and she always has great relationships with her point guards, like throughout her whole time coaching from Coquies to Neo to Skyler. And it just keeps going to this day. And so I think, um, it was like the beginning steps of our relationship. And so I'm down in our like practice where we practice, like down in the pit, I'm shooting on like the shooting gun and, um, she comes down and she's like talking to me, but I'm like shooting. And so, you know, with the gun, like the balls just keep coming out. And so you really don't really have time to take a break and have a conversation yeah. with someone. And so she's, um, she's talking to me and all that stuff. And I'm like, replying like with short answers because I'm like cheating and I'm not trying to miss my rhythm and kind of mess myself up in that moment. And so we had a really short conversation, um, which I'm sure she didn't like, but I was, I was a bit busy. And so she goes back up to her office and to where um, her administrative assistant is kind of working and is at the front desk. And she says, um, well, that was like the shortest conversation I've ever had because she went down <laughs> beforehand and said, Oh, Hey, Charlotte, like, the assistant, um, the person who works at the front desk is like, hey, I'm going to go down and speak to Lindsay or whatever. And she goes down and literally comes back up like two minutes later. <laughs> like, <laughs> and was like, wait, I thought she said, yeah, I did. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, coach. Like that was just really um, bad timing, I think, at the time. Um, and I think another time where it was a really funny story was my sophomore year when we were um, at the regional, we were in Oklahoma City. And that was like, um, we were getting ready to play Stanford, I'm pretty sure, because we were out, like, on the sideline watching the game before us. It was Iowa and Baylor. Um, they were playing before us, and so we went out there to just kind of take a look and see what was going on, kind of waste some time because we had so much time before we actually got out there to warm up on the court. 
And so we were out there um, just having a good time, goofing around like we normally do as a team that year. And so um, some music comes on and people start dancing and we're just having a good time and just trying to keep it loose and keep ourselves like having fun and keeping the energy up and all that stuff. Um, so we go back in the locker room um, and then in that locker room, there was like the big locker room where we were and where like all the team stuff was and where the coaches would speak to us and stuff. And then there was like a back kind of locker room where the coaches were and where they would kind of be and where they would talk before they came and saw us. And so we had like the TVs on in the locker room for the game and coach um, was like watching the game, obviously just to see what was going on and kind of keep track of what was going on between two teams because we could play the winner. Um, and so we get back in the locker room and we meet up with coach. Like we meet up with her like halfway <laughs> between us getting in the locker room and like her coming out or whatever. And then she's like, yeah, I saw you got some TV. And we're like, yeah, really? Like, how do we look? And she's like, yeah, really loose. And then she said it in a way that was just like, she didn't really agree with how <laughs> loose we were. And we were just like, oh, crap. <laughs> coach is not happy right now. And so we were like, uh, well, this is not going to go well. And we're like, you know what? We're fine. Like, we're going to keep this loose feeling going and um, just, you know, just play our game and really play as aggressively as possible and get the win against Stanford. And we went out against Stanford and had a really great game beating by like 20 or 25 plus and we just had a great time and I think that's when coach McGraw's approach kind of shifted with us um she knew that she would have to be a bit looser and kind of have a bit more fun with us because that's how we were and that's kind of what we needed as a team and I think coach McGraw does a great job with adjusting to um the team every year and just different personnel different personalities that we have on the team and speaking of Muffin McGraw what did you make of her recent comments in the media? Um, I thought those comments were perfect, and I thought she delivered them at a really good time because I think in that moment um, there was just a lot of talk about females in the workplace and kind of um, the movement and getting more females in power and all that stuff, and I thought Coach McGraw is a great example and a great kind of figurehead for that because she had been – coaching at Notre Dame for over 30 years um, at this point. And so I think she was just kind of fed up with what was going on and how there weren't enough females in power and how there weren't enough females in leadership. And she just really wanted, needed to make that statement um, because just that's just how she felt and that's just how she operates every single day and that's just how she teaches us and teaches all of her athletes that she's come in contact with over the past 35, 40 years or so, um, and how to be that confident woman, how to kind of fight for what you want, say what you want, because if you don't say what you want, you're never going to get it. And so I think um, just hearing her say that and hearing her make that statement and then kind of hearing it echo throughout every sports and every media outlet in this country was awesome as well and seeing how much support she got, but also – seeing how much people kind of miss the point in a way um, as well and just kind of trying to frame it as her saying that, yeah, she would never um, hire another male assistant. So people were like, oh, no, I would hire someone that was best for the job. And I'm just like, you're just missing the point completely. That's That's not the point she's trying to make. That's not what she's trying to say. She just thinks that there should be more women coaches 
coaching women's basketball, but also more women in power as well and kind of having more of that equality. I completely agree with you. I think those comments were great. So we've talked a lot about your college career. Let's talk a little about your professional career. Like I said before, you're drafted number 14 in 2017. Can you describe that moment when your name was picked? Uh, it was such a surreal moment um, because that's kind of what I've been working towards my whole basketball career I and mean, kind of my whole life as well. And so I think finally hearing my name announced um, was just so cool. But in that moment, it was kind of weird because I was watching it on like through my Apple TV or something like that. And so it was a bit delayed from the regular TV. Um, And so before my name was even announced, before I saw it kind of come up on my TV, I was watching it with Catherine Westbelt. So before I saw it come up um, on the TV we were watching it on, I, I was getting texts and I was like, congrats, congrats, congratulations, like so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, wait, what? Oh, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't, like, oh, okay, they must be about to announce my name um, <laughs> for the draft. And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, this is great. And then after that, I just get like a bunch of phone calls and stuff. But it was such a cool moment um, as well. And then my family FaceTimed me from home because I was at school at the time. Um, and they were so excited for me, and they kind of had, like, their own watch party um, at our home in Maryland. So it was just Aww. a good moment, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I imagine it's so cool and so surreal. to You're playing basketball all your life, and now to say that you're a professional basketball player. Yeah, it's so crazy how, like, this is what I do for a job now. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been doing it for about two years now, basically. Yeah, almost. Yeah, you're still young. Years. Yeah, almost exactly two years. and But it feels like I've been doing it for, like, five or so, you know? It just feels so weird because I feel like because I've been traveling so much and I've played so many different places, um, it just feels like I've been doing it for so long, and college seems so long ago. It's just so crazy. <laughs> You've grown up a lot in those two years, it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> you become an adult <laughs> and have all these responsibilities and all that stuff, which isn't that fun, but... The freedom. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that's interesting is both seasons that you've played in the WNBA, your coach has been Notre Dame alum Bill Lambier. <laughs> yes. How's your relationship with him? Uh, my relationship with Bill is great. Um, I think he has a pretty good relationship with all his players and that he's very honest with you and that he's very much – I don't think people would expect this, but he's very much kind of a player's coach in that he's going to put us in the best positions and he's not going to run us into the ground. He's not going to overwork us because, I mean, he played in the NBA, as you know, with the Pistons and all that stuff. And so he knows what it's like as a player and he knows he has that experience. And so it's great um, to have him have that experience and know what it's like so that he knows when to push us, he knows when to back off and, he really does a great job of communicating with us and telling us exactly what we need to know and exactly how things are going to go for that day, for that week, for that month, for the season. Um, and so I really just respect him as a coach and as a person. No special treatment to the Irish kids? there's a few. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I think he likes to brag about it sometimes to the other players. Um, and I think especially now that he, when we – when he moved on to Vegas, and I also moved on to Vegas, um, we had Kayla McBride as well. And then this year they have Jackie Young, and so we're just kind of taking over 
the whole team. And I think he's really quietly excited about that. <laughs> You've also played overseas in Russia and Australia. How has that experience been? Um, I think it was great. Um, I think it was good for me to kind of get that Russia experience um, in my first go because that's just such a stark contrast to what I was used to here in America. And so um, just being there and I had another American on my team, Kelsey Lang, um, who was in my class and who went to Texas. And so we were the only Americans on the team. And so having her was great as well. Um, And then my teammates were great. All of them weren't fluent in English, but they knew enough to kind of help us out there on the court. Um, Our coach wasn't that great in English. I think he knew a few basketball terms, but that was about it. And so I think just kind of navigating um, that different culture um, and kind of being on the other side of the world and being away from your family um, and being away from just American culture was different for um, probably both me and Kelsey. But I thought it was a great time, and I thought it was a great experience for me to do that on my first time and knowing that if I could handle Russia, then I can handle basically any other experience. Um, so that was very important uh, for me in, in my career. And then Australia last year was just amazing because um, it was just like night and day between Russia and Australia and that Australia is very similar to American culture in that way. And so I thought um, it was just so amazing being there. I had no complaints about it at all. I'm going back to Australia um, this fall for another season. So I had great teammates. Yeah, I had great teammates, great coaches. The culture was great. Everyone there was so nice. Um, The coffee was amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's the most important thing. Yeah, most important thing. The coffee was phenomenal. Um, I think the only tough thing was they drove on the other side of the road. So that was a little bit tough to get Uh, used to. Yeah, just a little bit. But after that, and then like the time change and all that stuff and the flight, it wasn't ideal, but um, everything else was phenomenal. And I just really had a great time in Australia. Yeah, I, I want to go to Australia. One of my friends was just there. She travels everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's way too long of a flight for me. And I heard there's a lot of sharks in the water. <laughs> I hope I didn't scare you. No, no. Um, yeah, the flight is long, but I feel like, at least for me, it really just flew by really quickly, which was weird. Because I feel like sometimes I sleep on flights, sometimes I don't. So it was just like a... I hope I see one of the because if I don't, then I'll just be uh, counting the seconds, minutes, hours until we land. But um, it really just flew by and with the meals and, like, the movies and stuff. It was great. And then the sharks in the water, I haven't experienced that, but... Um, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe there are, but I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, I've wanted to go to Australia since I was little and saw the Mary-Kate and Ashley movie, Our Lips Are Sealed. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone should go to Australia at some point. I mean, it's such a great culture uh, that everyone should experience it. All right, I'll take your word for it. Maybe I'll come see one of your games. Oh, definitely. (laughs) And so you're out of the WNBA this summer following knee surgery. You're Mm -hmm. home rehabbing in Maryland. How's that going? Uh, It's going well. I think um, it's kind of weird just being home for this amount of time because I've, I'm never really home for more than a week and a week and a half at a time, really. 
um, between yeah, like it the, seems like it's the most time you've been home probably since high school, right? Yeah, definitely. That's so true. <laughs> really, this is the most time I've been home really since, um, yeah, since high school. And so it's just like different getting used to being home and being around my family again. But I'm actually spending time between being home and doing some rehab in South Bend back in Notre Dame. And so oh, cool. I've been spending like, I would say like a month or so at a time kind of slipping back and forth. And so when I was, when I first had surgery, I stayed, I was there from like March until early May. I came back home for like a week or so. Then I went back up to Notre Dame for a couple of weeks. And then I came back here in late May. Um, and I'm here for a few weeks and then I'll be back at Notre Dame um, a week and a half from now for like five weeks and I'll be back home in August. So I was just kind of flipping back and forth and still keeping along and like traveling a lot like I'm used to. But um, yeah, we have been going well. Um, just really taking it day, one day at a time. Um, you know, when you, try, when you start to look ahead, you start to get impatient and you start to kind of rush things and it's been hard to remain patient. And so I think this has been a great test for staying patient and taking it kind of slow and just being able to, yeah, just really take it slow and take it easy for a little bit. Um, you know, I have my good days and bad days, both mentally and physically, but um, I think I've learned a lot about myself during this time. And I'm, I can't wait to start playing basketball again. I've missed it. Um, watching the NBA and watching the WNBA and watching college when it was still going on. I was just like, wow, I, at some points I miss it more than others, but yeah, in general, I just really miss it. So um, just hoping kind of time goes by quickly. And so we're already in June. So hoping July gets here soon and then August and then September. And before I know it, I'll be playing again. That's great. Yeah. So you'll be, you said you'll be in Australia in the fall. Do you then plan to go back to the WNBA next summer? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. And, and does Vegas have your rights? Yes, Vegas still has my rights. Um, and so that's the plan at the moment. You know, obviously plans change and they never go according to plan always. But yeah, that's the plan right now. Well, last question related to basketball. How do you think Notre Dame's going to be next season? Um, I think it'll be another kind of reloading season in a sense and I think um, it's going to be an exciting season and I know Coach Harbaugh is excited about it, the coaching staff is excited, the team is excited because everyone doesn't expect Notre Dame to do much and I think that's where Coach Harbaugh really thrives, she loves being the underdog um, and the team has really kind of embraced that underdog as well and so it'll be a really fun season um, because the girls are going to really get after it and be that scrappy tough team um, that just finds a way to win games and finds a way to get it done. For sure. I mean, there's zero pressure on them. And yeah. I actually think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Yeah, Because when they, when they got the grad transfer, Marta Sneezik, mm-hmm. that really confirmed for me that they're going four guards in, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Yep. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot like the 2016 team. And yeah. At some points, they're going to have five kids on the court that can shoot threes because Michaela Vaughn's going to have to come out at some points. Danielle Cosgrove is going to have to come in and play the five, which I know probably isn't her natural position. Yeah. But she then gets pulled out. I just It opens up the floor. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think Coach Regal is very excited just being able to figure out how the pieces are going to fit and just kind of work in that puzzle and um, figuring out what's going to be best for the team to run on offense, um, how to play defense and all that stuff. I think 
she's very excited about the season, um, and I can't wait to get back there and kind of get in there, get in there with the team and see what they're doing, see what they're working on, um, and then hopefully just getting the game started um, in November. My favorite player is Little Red, Abby Prohaska. She reminds me oh so God. much of Hannah Huffman. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I remember I came back um, when I was having surgery, and I was watching them practice, and I was like, this is – Abby is literally Hannah Huffman. Just like <laughs> their grit and how hard they work, um, how they kind of know nonsense, and how they really just – work as hard as they can for as long as they're out there on the court. Don't make any excuses. It's just really refreshing to see. For sure. All right, Lindsay, I've kept you on here a while. We're almost All good. Done. Yeah. I want to no end worries. it with some no fun worries. questions. No worries. What's your favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot? Um, I'd have to say I went to Punta Cana. A few years ago, that was really fun, but I really want to get out to Hawaii at some point because I've never been there before. Um, so, yeah, I would say favorite spot that I'm trying to get to is Hawaii. Okay. And I'd stay away from Punta Cana for a little while. I don't know yeah, if you've I've been, been watching the news. news. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. I was really there a few years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> I think you're safe. Yeah, hopefully. What is your favorite professional team to root for? Favorite professional team would have to be um, either the Washington Nationals or the Washington Wizards. Even though we haven't okay. been having great seasons recently, so it's hard to be a fan, but I'm trying to stay loyal and I'm trying to be patient. But, yeah, it's just, like, really hard <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> All right, sticking with your D.C. teams. Yeah. What, what's the TV show that you're currently binging? So the kids call it these days. That's <laughs> what the kids call it. Um, so I was watching um, Game of Thrones, and that was just phenomenal to be able to kind of close that chapter. Um, and then I'm watching Thirty Rock on Hulu currently, oh, and so I'm also funny. yeah, so funny. And I was watching Parks and Rec on Netflix for a little bit. I finished that, and so but currently, um, Big Little Lies came back this past Sunday, and so I've been. Just that's currently what I'm keeping up with, kind of week to week. Okay, I, I still haven't watched the the second or the second season, first episode of Big Little Lies. I got to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just watched it today. It was so good, but it was like really short. Like it was over before I knew it. I was like, wow, that's it. I think getting used to like, Game like of that. Thrones episodes where they were just so long that yeah, short one kind of threw me off. But yeah, it was good. <laughs> so last question: You mentioned Game of Thrones. How did you like the ending? Um, I thought I liked the ending. I thought um, I thought it was. I, I mean, I thought it was good for me. I don't can't speak for anyone else, but I I really liked it. I liked that kind of the main characters characters and the start children um, stayed alive. I thought there were some inconsistencies just with like how things were happening and who was kind of appearing and stuff. Like when they went to King's Landing to kind of take King's Landing and Danny still had some Dothraki with her. I thought that was weird because I thought they all died in the, in the battle against like the dead. So that was just like, Oh, this is alive. I didn't know that. So it was just like weird. And then like, I'm fine with Bran being King, but that makes sense. And he's the best person for the job, I think, honestly, but, 
it was just weird because he was saying he couldn't be um, like Warden of the North because he was a three-eyed raven, but then he can be like the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. So, but I mean, it was, it's going to be anyone. It's going to be him because he, I mean, he has the best kind of story and he can see everything. So that makes sense. But it was just like, oh, so is that just some excuse that you had? Or was that just like, <laughs> <laughs> you knew, well, obviously he knew all along that this is what he was going to be. He was going to be like voted or whatever. We were in the Southern Kingdoms. But yeah, but I really enjoyed the last season. I wish it was longer, but I understand that. Um, yeah, sometimes you just need to get to the end of things. It felt a little rushed at times, but I thought it was For good sure. television. Perhaps I should have given a spoiler alert warning before you started oh, yeah. talking. <laughs> exactly. That's all right. I mean, everyone's yeah. seen it. If they haven't, eh, the yeah. time has kind of oh, come and man. gone. Everyone's, yeah. Everyone knows the ending. Yeah, and it's been all over every um, social media account. And so you can't scroll on Twitter without seeing a spoiler for Game of Thrones. And so if you didn't yeah, watch it Don't come after week, Lindsay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't watch it week to week, then, yeah, you would have seen it on Twitter. And it would have been spoiled <laughs> for you. So I'm sorry. Uh, not really. <laughs> no apology necessary. Lindsay, I had a blast talking with you tonight. Uh, thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah, you did so great. And I have to pat myself on the back. I did pretty good, too, considering I had a cold. I really thought yeah. I was going to cough up a lung. <laughs> yeah. You did pretty well. I, I can't lie. It's tough having a cold in the summer. Uh, so. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> My niece. But it's a, today, the day we're recording... It's the 22nd anniversary of Jordan's flu game. And I think in 22 oh, yeah. years, we might be thinking this of Bridget's cold game <laughs> or cold podcast. Yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we will. <laughs> we probably will, honestly. <laughs> For sure. All right, everyone. That's the episode. Have a great night.